there and welcome to The C Word with me, Beck Hughes. I'm a brand consultant, graphic designer, business coach for creatives and creative coach for businesses. Here, we'll talk about creative with a capital C. Excuse ums, ahs, pauses and playfulness. This podcast is recorded with passion and purpose and we're not here to worry about the polish. This is where you'll find brand, design, business and blue sky chats. Along with my guests, I'll share tips, advice and inspiration for your creative business with plenty of laughs along the way. We'll join the dots between creative and business because when the two meet, that's where the growth, the good times and the magic happen. Let's go. Hey there and welcome to episode four of the C Word podcast. I'm Beck Hughes and I'll be chatting to you solo today, doing a bit of myth busting. I've taken some time recently and asked myself what have been some of the things that have impacted on my success, both positively and negatively. And there are some clear milestones or turning points that were influential in a big way. I also recognise that there were things I thought I should be doing along the way, but they either didn't feel comfortable to me, they didn't align with how I wanted to be perceived, or what I wanted to do. Or I just had it wrong and I found another way that worked for me. So in reflecting on the changes I've made that have had a positive impact, I also believe there are some myths around what you should be doing to grow a creative business. They're myths that probably held me back at times, stopped me from taking action in ways that I wanted to. And I wonder if other creatives feel the same. That maybe there are some misconceptions or misinformation that might be holding you back too. So I wanted to share six of those myths in today's episode and also talk about some of the things I did instead. Let's dive in. I've been reflecting on my own growth as a creative business owner recently and thinking about some of the myths that I thought were the things that I needed to do to grow. So I started my business seven years ago now and when I started out I was really just doing what I would describe as jobbing creative. So I was doing little bits and pieces of design work Just whatever came up, whatever people wanted, whatever they needed, I would fulfill that creative gap. And as I've grown over those seven years, I have changed particular things. And along the way, those key things that I've changed really have had an impact on my growth. And maybe at the time you don't see it, you don't know that that's the thing that's making the change. But in breaking it down and reflecting on it, I can see what some of those things were. And I can also see what some of the misconceptions or myths about growth may have been getting in my way at times. So today I thought I would pick through some of those misconceptions and maybe the things that you also think about in your business and think that maybe you should be doing to grow and talk about why I don't actually think that they're necessarily what needs to happen for growth and what some of the alternatives are and what they've been for me. So the first thing is, this is a big one, you need to be this bold, colourful, 
extrovert as a creative to get attention and to be noticed. And I think the creative industry is very wrapped up in that creative persona of bright, interesting, alternative people are the most creative people. And it's simply not true. Some of the most creative minds are very introverted people. They're not necessarily people who feel the need to be very extroverted or are particularly social animals. Now, this is not to say that being extroverted and colourful is a bad thing. Some of the best people I know and some of the best creatives I know are those engaging, magnetic, colourful people. But I want to bust the myth that that's what you have to be to be successful in the creative industry. I'm quite introverted. I definitely need to balance my energy when it comes to the time I spend with people. I love people. I love being social. But when I've spent a lot of time with a client or or been at an event or spent a lot of time in a social setting... I really need to recharge and I need to come away from that. And I love nothing more than to shut the door of my little studio and just focus on doing something creative. And sometimes that might be for me and sometimes that might be client work. So I'm not an extroverted person. However, I do believe passionately in what I do from a creative point of view. I believe really strongly in brand. I have a very strong opinion about what I feel my clients should do. And that's not just a random opinion. That is a justified opinion based on insight and intuition. And I think that's what's important because not everybody is for you. So in the same way that not all creatives are vibrant, bold, colourful people, neither are all clients. And everybody wants to see something of themselves in the peers and the community they want to build around them. So you will be for the right people. Your energy will attract the right people to you. So you shouldn't feel corralled into being a certain type of creative And this is what I talk about as being your unique creative persona, your UCP. There is something about the way that you do creative, which is unique to you. And when you embrace that and you recognize it and you work with it, then that's where you become really comfortable in your skin as a creative person. The second myth, and sorry if this is an unpopular opinion, I think there are a lot of business coaches in particular out there who talk a lot about the need to expand your team. And you will only grow when you've got a team of people around you to take the workload. Now, there is truth in that. Don't get me wrong. There are skills in your business that you need that you may not have, whether that be accountancy or someone to support you with your legals, or having a VA to help you with some of your admin. Again, those are skills that are different to yours that you may need in your business. However, I don't believe that you need a team of designers to grow your business. Now, there may come a point in your business, and I think there probably does come a point in most creative agencies, 
where if you choose to grow beyond that point, you will probably need to look at bringing other people into your business because there will there is a tipping point where you've maximized your own output. Even if you're charging for your value and the transformation that you produce, not just for your hours, which is an important part of agency growth, there will come a point where you probably need to make a choice between bringing on other people or staying at a point that you're at or something else, which might be to do with partnerships and collaborations. However, if you're not at that tipping point, if you're well before that tipping point, there are lots and lots of other things that you can do in your business to support growth. That doesn't mean you have to rush out and find another designer that you need to train and add a cost into your business, essentially. So some of the other things you can do to grow, and in particular to grow your profit, would be to look at your pricing. Have you optimized your pricing? Are you charging your worth? To look at your time and how intentional you are with your time. Are you giving lots of things away for free? Are you underestimating how long things take? Or are you over-delivering? To look at the way that you talk about the value that you create. Are there things that you do, either in the way that you think strategically and offer strategic solutions for your clients, or in the process that you provide, or the resources that you give them, that you're not charging for? There might be money left on the table, because you're doing things that you don't attach a value to, that you could be charging for. So there are lots of things, and I will add in the show notes my seven profit plumping strategies training, which does go through several ways that as a creative business owner, you can look at your profit and look at how you might grow your profit, which doesn't involve bringing new people on. Because when you bring new people on, that does bring an extra layer of complexity to your business. Now, again, I'm not against it. I'm not saying that it's something that you shouldn't do if that's what you want to do. However, I'm solo in my business. There are no other designers that work with me. When I did creative work, I was the one doing it. And I was still able to grow to a very healthy profit doing that. Because when you bring on other people, the things to consider are the legal implications of that. There are legal implications with employing people. There are commitments in terms of cost. There are emotional commitments when you have to train someone and manage people. That can be a really wonderful and rewarding thing, but it can also be tricky and it can also be draining if it's something that you're not used to doing. So bringing people onto your business is not just about plugging a skill gap or being able to do more work. There's a lot more to it, which is worth considering. The next myth that I want to bust is that growing as a creative business is all about your creative work. So if you do beautiful work, you will grow by default. Now, sorry folks, I know that you all do beautiful work, but that's simply not true. There are struggling artists out there that do amazing work that aren't making the big bucks. And when I worked in the agency, one of the favorite sayings that we would often default to was, Clients are won on creative, but they're lost on service. And what that meant was, because when in agency, 
as you all know, you, you pitch a lot. And quite often when you pitch, you pitch with creative work, which is a whole other topic because I really, I disagree strongly with pitching with creative work. But what that meant was the creative work has the wow factor. So you might get clients with that big wow factor. They see the creative work and they want it and they want the kudos that goes with having that amazing work. However, if you then don't deliver on the expectation that the experience will continue to be amazing in all different ways, then very often that client's initial flush of love and adoration for you will be lost. So if you don't answer their emails and if you don't take them through a really robust process and if you don't do what you say you're going to do and deliver on time and show real insight and understanding about what problem you're solving for them, then the creative on its own won't be enough. So focusing on our creativity and sharing our portfolio and making all of our communications just about our work is missing an opportunity to talk about all of the other things that we do that differentiate us. Because there's loads of people out there doing great creative work. Ultimately, that won't be a reason that you grow significantly. It might be a reason why clients are attracted to you in the first place, But if you haven't got all of your other ducks in a row, then they're not going to stick around and they're not going to tell everyone else about you and they're not going to keep coming back for repeat work and they're not going to give you great testimonials, which is all of the things which do equal growth. So the point I'm making with this myth is don't just focus on your creative work. You don't live and die just by your portfolio. Next myth, the client is king or queen. The client's in charge. Now, this is a grey area because crucially, the client is important. So your client should be well served and looked after when they work with you. That, I think that goes without saying. Your client should get a great experience from working with you. However, and I do talk about this in episode two, actually, that your client shouldn't be served to the detriment of you. So this is about balance. So let's just reflect on what that means to make the client king or queen. If they're running the show, then a couple of things happen. And when I say running the show, they are dictating all of the terms. So what that means is they are dictating the creative outcome. They're dictating the time frame. They are dictating the process. They are dictating your boundaries and your availability. And there are several problems with that. So when the client is dictating the creative output, well, they're becoming the designer. They're becoming the creative expert. And if they were the creative expert, then they wouldn't have come to you for a creative output or a creative solution. So really, this is on you to take that stance and be the creative consultant for them. And in my experience, as soon as a client starts to lose confidence in the process, it's only then that they start to try and control it. 
So if you step into being that consultant and guiding them through it and guiding them through it in an assertive way that is caring and that is focused on the outcome and the solution, because this isn't personal, but if you take control and you rationalize your work and there is good reason for what you're recommending and you're making recommendations, by the way, you're not just putting lots in front of them and just hoping they'll pick one, that you're being strong about the creative solution and you're always coming back to the brief and the rationale, then you're leading the client through it and you're giving them confidence that the outcome is the right one. So when you allow the client to be in control of the creative, then by definition, you've lost control. So where you end up is your creative intent and your creative integrity isn't met. And as a creative business owner, this should be about your creative and you feeling like you can put your name proudly to what you produce. Now, the other thing that we said about the client ending up in charge is when they're controlling the timeline. So what that suddenly means is, is that the client is dictating to you when you will deliver work and what time frame you will deliver it in which can be detrimental to your other commitments and your other clients. It's ultimately detrimental to the relationship with that client if you're not able to deliver in those timelines, but the open communication isn't there to make those boundaries clear. And it can put a lot of pressure on you. That can lead you to working lots of long hours, working into the night, trying to keep up, feeling that stress and that pressure which then leads to feeling burnt out, which ultimately leads to creative fatigue. You feel like you can't give any more because the cup is empty. You've had it all sucked out of you. Now, the other thing about letting a client dictate the terms is boundaries. So boundaries start to be crossed. Your client starts to have unrealistic expectations. The scope starts to creep. They start to message you out of hours and expect a response. Maybe they text you when that's not a way that you want to communicate. That's something you reserve for your personal communications. If you allow the client to dictate the terms and then your boundaries start to get crossed and you don't do anything about it, then again, unfortunately, that's on you because that's what you've allowed to happen. So you don't grow a creative business by letting your client dictate the terms. You need to be in charge of your process and how things will be done. You need to set the boundaries and you need to be responsible for the creative output. Make strong recommendations, be the creative consultant. When you do those things, not only do you have a well-run agency because you're productive and you do great work, it's also sustainable for you. Myth five is what I call the productivity trap. It's the idea that every hour should be a billable hour. And I think a lot of creatives suffer from this, and I certainly have suffered from it. If you come from an agency background as a creative, regardless of whether you're a designer or a web developer or a copywriter or an art director or any of those things, most creative agencies run on timesheets. I said it. I said the T word. And... Timesheets are very central 
to most agencies' ethos. I remember I would be nagged constantly to stay on top of my timesheets, to complete them. Very often they're an arbitrary thing because you've got to fill out eight hours of the day, but maybe you were working 12 hours. So there was never really any clarity on how many hours you really worked. There were a lot of problems with timesheets as a concept, but when they're used in the right way and they're used to look at productivity and profitability and time in motion, like if you're over-delivering or if the expectations on creatives are unrealistic. But what that timesheet mentality does when we move into our own creative business is potentially leave us with this productivity problem which is we see every hour as a potential earning opportunity and if we're not producing creative work that is sellable so if we're not doing client work we're not being productive then that's an hour wasted and that's the productivity trap because we get stuck in this idea that All of those eight hours or 12 hours or however many hours were supposed to go on the timesheet, that some of those hours were wasted. But what that means is, apart from the issue of burnout and tiring ourselves out, working into the small hours, there is also the issue of not allowing ourselves to do other things with our time. So there are other ways that you need to be productive in your creative business. So yes, of course, there is the time that you spend, the billable hours, let's call them, that you will spend doing creative work. But there is other time that you need to spend. You need to spend time on your business. So doing things like maintaining your website, producing content, doing marketing, updating your portfolio. There are things that you need to do that aren't necessarily billable directly, but they're indirectly adding value to your business. They are the things that will see you grow. So if you feel like you've got to spend every waking moment doing billable work, then you're not doing the other things. The administration, sending out the invoices, chasing up the invoices, chasing up proposals that you sent out that you need to follow up on, keeping on top of your emails. They shouldn't be things that you just squeeze in late at night because they're just a, oh, I've got to fit that in, I've got to do that. You should make time because it's part of running your business. When you do the sums in your business and you start with, right, this is what I want to be earning each year, don't divide that by eight hours a day for 52 weeks a year because what you'll end up with is a figure that means you've got to work every single hour of those 52 weeks. Allocate time every week for business growth activities that might not be directly billable, but they're also as important as working on the client work. And the final myth is you've got to be a slave to the socials. Now, I'm going to make a confession here and the raised eyebrow committee might have something to say about it. But for the first maybe five years of my business, maybe more, 
I barely lifted a finger on socials. I don't see that as a badge of honor. I don't wear that as a badge of honor. I'm not necessarily proud about it. However, I grew my business in spite of that. And there are lots of businesses that do really well, regardless of whether they post three times a day on Instagram and do 20 stories and produce a million and one reels of them lip syncing and dancing. I don't want to sound like I'm poo-pooing those things. I'm being a bit of a smarty pants. But what I do want to emphasize is socials are only part of a much bigger toolkit. You do need to build your profile, be seen. You do need to share your unique creative persona and your perspective as a creative and talk about the transformations you create. There is no getting away from that. However, there are lots of ways to do that. So the ways that I have done it is through collaborations and partnerships, through referral and having really great relationships with referring partners and really nurturing that side of the relationship, through doing masterclasses and appearing on podcasts and really sharing my knowledge and my opinions in other ways, using my network. And that's just a few of the ways. There are lots and lots of other marketing strategies that you can use in your business. Of course, socials will be part of that, but don't feel like you've got to be a slave to them. I think in particular because Instagram is such a visual platform and as creatives, we are visual, we feel this pressure to continuously share our work. I think what that also comes back to is this isn't just about your creative. So whilst it is great to share your creative work and please continue to do it, make sure you're also showing the person behind the creative, sharing your unique position, showing your knowledge, giving your perspective, talking about the transformations you've had for your clients through socials. Don't just make it a beauty parade. So there we have it. The myths that I just want to pour a little bit of cold water over and put out the fire on that might be getting in your head and stopping you from growing your business in the way that you want to grow it. Because again, there are also lots of ways to grow. There are many ways to skin a cat. Sorry, cat lovers. We're not literally skinning cats here. (laughs) But there are lots of ways to do it. So to recap on my myths, the first one is you don't have to be a big, bold, colorful extrovert to find your place in the creative industry. Secondly, You don't need to bring on lots of designers into your business to grow. There are other things you can do, particularly if you're not at that tipping point in your business. Thirdly, it's not all about your creative work. Make sure that you're focusing on the client experience, the onboarding, the process that they go through, the transformation they get, and the offboarding of your clients as well as the beautiful work that you do. Fourth myth, the client does not have to be the king or queen. Make sure that you're driving the process and the boundaries and the timeline and the outcomes. Number five, 
it isn't just about timesheets. It isn't just about billable hours. There are other really valuable things that you should and can be doing in your business that is a worthwhile investment of your time that you don't have to see as something you've got to shoehorn in at the weekend or at the end of the day. Make time for it. And number six, you don't have to be a slave to the socials. Sit down, have a brainstorm, think about other ways that you might grow the visibility and the profile of your business because there are lots of things you can do. So you only have to think about socials as part of your toolkit, not the be all and end all. So thanks for listening. I hope that you found this useful and maybe it helped to banish a few of the myths that you've had in your creative business. As always, I would love to hear from you, DM me, on Instagram or Facebook or jump on my website or send me an email. I just love to hear if you took anything from it or if you found it useful. Have a great day and I look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, head on over to my website at beckhughes.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at Beck Hughes Branding. Now, if you're a creative and you'd like to up your business game, check out how we can work together in one of two ways. My Creative Business Incubator course is a 12-week program that teaches the essential foundations to give you clients, creative space, and cash flow, so you love and stay in love with your business. If you're a freelancer ready to actually be free, or a solo creative and you want to grow without compromising your creative mojo or sacrificing your sanity, this is for you. If one-on-one is more your style, my Creative Business Insider Coaching is for creatives who have been in business for a little while and now you're ready to start doing bigger and better. We work together to take back control of your creativity, your time and your finances so you can craft a business that serves you, not one that you're a slave to. And if you're a business owner with big brand ambitions, you can join me for bespoke brand strategy creation to give you the brand everyone else wishes they had. Head on over to my website for more info. And if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay.